Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are recording episode number 226. Don and Stan are in the recording studio at Cherokee Batting Range. Unfortunately, I am uh, in, mailing this one in from my house in uh, Loganville. So we're going to still have a great episode. I wish I was there with the guys, but uh, we're going to have to do the remote thing today. So uh, we got a really good show lined up for you today. In our warm-up segment, we've got our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week, Have a Fun Did You Know?, an interesting listener question, and of course, Paige's power play. In our leadoff topic, we're going to talk about uh, some college softball news, how the rich keep getting richer, and some interaction that coaches are having. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about the Nationals versus the World Series versus the big end of the year tournaments. What's the difference between some and are some more valuable than others? And then in our coaching tip of the week, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, illegal pitch and the situation that we're uh, dealing with now at the college level and how travel ball coaches and high school coaches can have some impact on it. So before we get into all those great topics, let's talk about our uh, sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus nine rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to Save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support Everything Fast Pitch at the same time. Also, let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We want to welcome our newest patron, Kevin Hammond. Kevin, uh, we do appreciate you all coming on board. Coach Don and I certainly are excited to see the uh, fact that we've had a few uh, new uh, patrons come on board here over this last couple of weeks. Uh, the process to sign up is very simple. You go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. There's three different levels of monthly support. One of the things that's been happening, I think, now that uh, you know, we've kind of just laid it on the line for all of you, that uh, the reality of um, our financial future with uh, everything fast pitch and keeping the podcast alive is going to depend on us getting more patrons to come on board. It's been great and exciting to see the uh, new people that we have in this last couple of weeks, but we still need uh, many more people to come on board to uh, get us to where we're uh, at least breaking even on a monthly basis. So Kevin Hammond, thank you very much for coming on board and being our newest patron. So down in our warm-up segment today, let's first off talk about our city of the week, Roanoke, Virginia. Roanoke, Virginia. We've been there a few times, Story, right? The area, Roanoke and Salem, have hosted uh, NCAA championships now for many, many years. Basically alternate, I think, between uh, Division II, Division III uh, national championships on a pretty regular basis. Uh, one of the first big events that uh, you and I got to coach against each other uh, was at the uh, uh, Division II National Championships in Salem, which is just up the road from Roanoke. Um, obviously, we're always excited to see the numbers jump, and that's a, a softball hotbed. Uh, that area, Virginia, Maryland, Washington, D.C., have been very hot for us um, on the uh, numbers increases. And so obviously there's people in that area doing a good job of spreading the word and getting people on board with listening to everything fast pitch and coach prep. Very cool, yeah. So thank you, Roanoke, Virginia. You are the city of the week. 
Our player of the week this down is Logan Settle. Logan plays on a 12 and under team. She's a, a very dedicated athlete, also plays basketball on a competitive team, volleyball on a travel team and, and a school team. So she's obviously very athletic, very active. Um, she's a very strong student, 3.8 uh, GPA, but she's also very, very strong in her faith and obviously is just a good all-around kid. I uh, had a couple of uh, highlights in her softball career here lately, just tearing it up at the end of the summer, uh, made a move to a, a much more competitive team and saw her level of play continue to improve. And so she's just uh, done a great job overall, obviously is, uh, is a player, the kind of player that we want to recognize for our player of the week. Um, when we talk about the player of the week, we always talk about it's not just on the field accomplishments. Obviously, on field accomplishments are important, but we also want to recognize players for doing great things in the community being great students, just being good all-around teammates, good people. And uh, Logan definitely uh, fits the bill to be in in the Player of the Week recognition. And uh, we want to say congratulations, Logan Settle. You're the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. Great job, Logan. Love it. Our equipment tip of the week, Don, let's talk about the Square Cuts training discs. Yeah, Tori. So again, this week with the discs, we've had uh, a couple new students that have, have come here to the cages. And uh, again, each time that they use them, they're like, those are very cool and they're interesting. Um, something I've never seen before. You know, we keep getting all that same type of feedback, but anybody that's used them in the past, you know, often when they hop in there, that's the first thing they grab. They start their workouts here with us at the cages. I can't say enough good things about them. And if you're out there and you've been hearing us talk about them, we talk about them each, each, uh, episode and, you know, it's time that you get them. You got to get a set, give it a try, and see what you think. Yeah, it's a, it's a great tool. Um, one of the things that uh, um, has been relayed to me several times now is that hitting them in an open space to taking them to a practice and using them on a field has been a very uh, strong selling point for people to truly see the flight of the disc and to really understand what it means. You know, you can tell when you're hitting it into a bonnet. You can tell when you're hitting it in a batting cage. But when uh, you have a chance to see it flying through the air, and flying in that uh, perfect vertical uh, rotation. So you see the backspin and you see the square contact is something that's really made a big impression on some of our um, people that have used them. And we're very excited about the Square Cuts training disc. If you need to order your set now, go to the fastpitchprep.com website. They're $49.95 a dozen. Um, We'll get them shipped out to you right away. It's a great training tool, something that you need to have for each uh, individual player to work out with at home. And on your own, and definitely for teams and coaches uh, to add some variety to your training and a really foolproof tool that gives you instant feedback every time you hit it. So fastpitchprep.com, go to the website, click on the button, and we'll get them sent to you right away. So Don, did you know Jocelyn Allo, Oklahoma fame, uh, the uh, reigning home run queen for college softball, was recognized on the ESPYs the other night for the best female collegiate athlete. Wow, that is super cool for sure. Yeah, it uh, was not a surprise just because uh, she had done such an amazing job, um, had been such a, a, a huge story throughout the season. Uh, but anytime a softball player is getting recognized uh, ahead of basketball players, volleyball players, some of the other sports that have sort of dominated some of the awards over the years, it's a very exciting thing to see. And obviously, Jocelyn has been an amazing hitter during her career at Oklahoma and just one of those players that, that other people gravitate to and I think really made. Uh, a lot of uh, an impact on the viewership for Oklahoma as they finished up the season at the College World Series. But the ESPYs are a great way to measure acceptability of our sport and, and the or the interest of our sport. To see Jocelyn Allo recognized uh, for the best female collegiate athlete was a pretty cool thing. 
So down our listener question this week comes to us from Nicole. And Nicole said mentions she read an article that division the Division One Council wants to make several changes to uh, the rule book this year. The one that uh, she was most concerned about was changing the transfer rule. So basically, it will create carte blanche where a player has unlimited options um, and unlimited opportunities. So a player could technically, if they wanted to, transfer every year. You know, right now there's a limit after you transfer. Uh, well. There's certain limitations on on um, how many times you can transfer, and uh, so it it would definitely create another wrinkle in the whole transfer portal game if players would basically be able to switch schools every year if they felt they needed to. No, I think that's going to be complete chaos. I mean, it might be helpful for certain situations when you know when kids have different needs in terms of opportunities to play, but. I don't. Again, the whole the whole portal situation, um, the timing. It just is so different from what we were used to that it doesn't feel secure or or right yet. You know, I think equally we want to help protect the schools as much as we want comfort and and protection for the athletes to be able to move freely or whatever it is. But it's getting yeah, it's it's interesting. They're just not saying no to anything now. No, and I think uh, we're definitely heading further and further. If if some of these new rules pass, definitely more and more to the professionalization of college athletics. And obviously, softball is not the only sport that it's happening in. You know, there are athletes jamming up the transfer portal in every sport. Obviously, we care the most about fast pitch, so we pay attention to the fact that there's over a thousand softball players in the transfer portal. And anytime you have that many kids feeling the need to change schools. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that, f- that factors into it, but all in all, I don't think it's a really healthy situation. As you said, Don, I think anytime a player is in a bad situation and a player a player is unhappy with their, you know, their role or their opportunities at a place, and I, I don't blame them for wanting to look for a better opportunity. But I also think that creating this world where players just, you know, every time it, it, it strikes them, every every time something's not quite going right, they want to pack up and go someplace else is a little bit hard for me to wrap my head around. No, it, it just seems, it, it's just so different. But like that falls right in line with a lot of the things that are happening, I think, with the youth right now. And, you know, having teams with, and we talk about this a lot, with 10, 11, just barely enough to, to field a squad so that everybody gets plenty of playing time. Nobody's disappointed. Um, we don't want anybody to have to compete or work for a position anymore. It's just interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a whole different world than we uh, coached in when when we were coaching. It's just a, it's a little bit, I guess, indicative of just how life is right now. Um, when we talk about players switching travel teams on a constant basis, travel teams switching organizations on a, on a constant basis, everybody always thinking that the grass is going to be greener someplace else, and that. You know, no matter what their situation is, they can make it better by going someplace else. I think it's just an epidemic right now that, unfortunately, I don't think five years from now or 10 years from now, we're going to look back at it and say, hey, you know, that was the right thing to do. I think everybody uh, right now is more of a knee-jerk reaction in some situations than uh, than a well-thought-out and, and well-planned change. And so I think that's part of what's troubling to me. So We're limited in the time we get. If we go bouncing around, you don't have enough time to really establish yourself at any school or with any program. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, now the Division I Council will make a bunch of recommendations and exactly what will happen, what kind of rule changes will happen, of course, is yet to be determined. 
But a lot of times, once it gets to the point where the uh, council has made a, a recommendation, it uh, quite often does how this plays out and, and if that's going to become true. But the idea of a player switching year after year after year is just a little bit troubling to me. I just don't see how that's the right answer, the right answer to finding happiness anywhere. So hopefully uh, it, it will sort itself out quickly. We'll figure out what the new rules are and then everybody will figure out how to adjust to them. So, Don, that's going to take us into this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, Paige here, and today I want to talk a little bit about, actually, I have a question for you first. Is your daughter just warming up with her team expecting to be prepared, expecting to feel confident? If so, well, let me ask you some more questions first. (laughs) Is she timid playing? Does she feel nervous, worried how she might play? And then some questions for you. Are you wondering if she's going to feel confident, can't stop pacing while watching her, Worried if she makes a mistake and can't bounce back? Don't worry. Got you. I used to think that warming up with my team was enough. But if you truly want to feel unshakable confidence when you play, it goes much deeper than that. You can't just physically prepare. You have to mentally prepare too. If you want to be the best, you have to go the extra mile. (laughs) I'm going to be telling the girls. And luckily for you, that's not running a mile. It's just using a pregame routine that also prepares your brain and creates confidence. So help your daughter build a pregame routine that you can even be a part of too. Number one, I want you to um, have her incorporate things that she already likes to do. So some examples of this is listen to music. Go do that Starbucks run together. Have a dance party in the car. Maybe you guys have like certain songs that you play in the car that just like make it fun, right? Solid breakfast before. Uh, Maybe that's a great time to like talk about some affirmations or things like that. But number two, encourage her to add mental training tools into her routine. And you can even do these with her as well. So doing things that you guys already do, now adding mental training skills in there stuff that you can help her with as well. Like be a part of this process with her. Some examples of this was like breathing, visualization, gratitude, journaling, self-talk, work, like affirmations. And maybe she's thinking you're crazy when you tell her to try this stuff. Don't worry, like I can help here. I'm teaching these tools and specifically a pregame routine and weekly mindset lessons this week. So you can grab your lesson there at my website. So your daughter will stop thinking you're so crazy. But the third thing of this routine is get consistent with this routine. Do it consistently. Do it before every single game. Because when she has this routine, she's not only warming up with her team, but she's mentally preparing and creating confidence before she even steps on the field or court or wherever she is competing. And did I mention the weekly mindset lessons also come with a study guide right now? This week, it will give her, this week, the study guide will guide her in building a pregame routine. So get her mentally prepared and confident before games so you can finally sit back and relax and watch her crush it. So Don, I don't know if you noticed, but Paige uh, had her baby um, and uh, mom and child are, are doing great. The, I saw a few pictures on Facebook the other day and it looks like everything's going great. I'm very excited for her. I want to say congratulations to her and the family. It's a it's a really cool thing, and uh, just uh, excited to see one new member of the uh, Everything Fast Pitch family coming on board. That's fantastic. Yes. Our leadoff topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at Elite Sports Orders at yahoo.com anything you need bats balls gloves spirit wear 
Uh, the folks at Elite be happy to help you out. Just uh, reach out to them, and they can ship anywhere in the United States. So, Don, a couple things have happened in the college softball world I wanted us to talk about. One kind of ties into our listener question, but the rich keep getting richer. So uh, um, if anybody has uh, not been keeping up with it, Justin McLeod has has reported a ton of changes and a ton of transfers and, and where kids are ending up. And there's a handful of players now that are all choosing to transfer to the uh, Oklahoma University. And Oklahoma, obviously, our two-time defending national champ, uh, the team that uh, I talked about in a blog a couple of weeks ago that uh, you know, if people were frustrated thinking that uh, Oklahoma was so good that it took the fun out of the World Series or they were dominating uh, the competition so much that uh, it was taking a lot of the excitement and fun out of the games. And my prediction then was, hang on, kids. If you think they're good now, they're going to just keep getting better. Right. Well, they just added four All-Americans through transfer. Tori, do we know if, if there's any uh, NIL situations happening with this? or? Yeah, I think... Uh, like, is there money involved? Is it? No, nothing is ever reported, but the reality of it is NIL, I think, is, is a big part of what's, what's driving the transfer machine now. Oklahoma is one of the schools that has really gotten, really given a strong push to softball and supporting them uh, by helping uh, right. create NIL opportunities, your know, name, image, and likeness. You know, I think a lot of us thought for softball players that that was going to be, you know, sign a couple of autographs or you know, maybe do a player's clinic or a, a camp or give some lessons, uh, but it's clearly taken on a, a life bigger than that. Nobody has reported that, uh, you know, player X has gotten this or player Y has gotten that. But I also know that there's a limit on how many scholarships a school can give. And you know, if you've got four All-Americans transferring in now, I can't imagine that they're doing it uh, and going uh, out of pocket to make it happen. So whether it's NIL money or scholarship money or whatever it is, um, obviously, I think there's got to be some incentive that is going to get them to make the move. And, I, and obviously, I know that you know, one of the big incentives is having a chance to play for the national championship. But I also can't imagine that most people are signing up for a, a gigantic uh, financial burden if they can avoid it. Tori, it seems interesting if they're transferring in four kids. And typically, if you graduate out four or five kids, are you even doing any recruiting otherwise? Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted us to talk about it, because I think obviously NIL has totally changed the game, but uh, the transfer portal and the way transferring is now affecting recruiting, I think is, is kind of the, the hidden issue that uh, people haven't really talked about so much. So you just hit the nail on the head. If Oklahoma just signed four transfers, brought in four transfer players, I can't imagine that there aren't players in their system, you know, young players that they're recruiting, high school kids that are supposed to be freshmen next year that didn't come in there thinking that they'd have a chance to compete or have a chance to play. And, you know, basically... Now we got four, four new All-Americans. Right. You know, let's just be honest about it. There's not a high school kid in America that's probably coming in and, and unseating somebody that's a proven college All-American. So, you know, it, it might happen. It's going to happen for a handful of kids. You know, but the reality of it is, you know, the transfer thing obviously changes the dynamic within the roster. You know, a school like Oklahoma, Patty's such a strong coach and has such a strong program, you know, that basically, you know, her kids either get on board, jump on the train or they, they you know, get stepped right over. You know, nobody's going to, you know, shed a whole lot of tears over somebody, you know, being unhappy about their, their role or their playing time. But I also don't know how any high level 
high school age player, you know, prep player that, that should be getting recruited, that should be signing to go someplace as a freshman can be very excited about the opportunities anymore, because even if it looks like, you know, there's going to be an opportunity, even if it looks like, you know, the, the way the cards have fallen, you know, you and a couple of other people are going to probably all be competing for a starting spot or two that you know, should be available to compete for, you know, that, that changes instantly. And just with a flick of a pen, all of a sudden, as you said, Don, there's another All-American, somebody that proved that, you know, she can hit 15, 18, 20 home runs in, in the Pac-12 or, you know, win a whole bunch of games pitching, uh, you know, for Michigan in the Big Ten. You know, all of a sudden that kid comes in, you know, and she's obviously coming in to make a difference. You know, they're not, not bringing in these transfer kids so that they can be the depth or the backups. So it's just, it's a whole new world. And obviously not that many high school kids are getting recruited at the very top of the food chain anymore, but I think the whole thing's going to change drastically. And so now what that's going to mean, I yet I think is a little bit early to determine for sure. The days of anybody looking at it thinking, hey, when I walk in as a freshman, I've got a chance to compete with these two players because three of us are the ones that are all going to be fighting it out for the starting catching job or the starting center field job or the starting shortstop job. That could change tomorrow because a shortstop All-American or a catcher All-American or somebody else like that could just, you know, miraculously pop into the picture. We're competing against those two and the portal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and there was one other uh, thing that I wanted us to talk about. Rodney DeLong, who's the coach at North Texas now, he also coached at Austin P. was an assistant coach at Georgia Tech for a while. And Rodney's done a great job at North Texas. He was Hope Troutwine's coach for the you know, first uh, years of her college career at North Texas. You know, She ended up uh, helping Oklahoma win a national championship. She transferred to Oklahoma for her last year. Uh, but Rodney went on uh, social media and basically you know, posted for everybody to see that he knows he's got you know, proof that there are other Division One coaches trying to poach kids from his team. You know, they're using the connections they have with travel ball coaches. Right. Coach X, who shall remain nameless, uh, contacts the travel ball coach that Sally played for when she was, you know, coming up through the ranks. Yep. And hey, you know, how's Sally doing at North Texas? You think she'd be interested in transferring? You want to check with her and see if she'd be interested in coming to our school? kind of conversations are, are being had. I think a lot of us have known those conversations have been going on for a while, but Rodney's the first one to call everybody out on it. And, uh, um, you know, and his point was, you know, how about, you know, finding a player and developing her yourself instead of, you know, poaching her away from somebody else that's done all the work. And I think that that's a very interesting and, and valid point that's worth, worth thinking about. No, I think you're exactly right, Tori. And that is maddening to me because we've kind of had both been a part of programs that would have been probably imposed upon that way, you know, years ago. So I, I really feel for them. Well, I know uh, one of the things when we first started doing the uh, website, one of the first 50 or 60 blogs that I wrote was my all-time team. And it was basically the, you know, the very best of the players that I coached during my career at Kennesaw State, Tennessee Tech, and UW-Parkside. And now the list was dominated by players from Parkside and Tennessee Tech. And, and the Parkside years, you know, even though it was Division II softball, and Don, you can testify to this. Because the same was true for you guys at Kennesaw State. We were Division II in division, but we weren't really Division II softball. We were, we were very strong programs that had a lot of great players. They were D1 kids. That, yeah. A whole bunch of them. I mean, you know, we, we, we both have kids that have played professionally, played in the Olympics, those kinds of things. And obviously, you know, those kinds of players played for us in a different time and place. 
but going through that list, I think that uh, if you know if there was twenty kids on the list, I think that all twenty of them would have been targeted yep. to be poached away to be offered the opportunity to transfer if those players were that are willing. Yeah, if those teams had played in that in the era we're in now, I think that you know we would have be having the same discussion. And I think you know the same is definitely true of a whole lot of the players that you guys coached that helped you win. Division two national championships at KSU. Yeah. Um, you know, the same would have been true of players that I coached at Tennessee Tech. When the whole transfer thing first started blowing up, my point simply was, you know, it was really frustrating for me to see a player who had, you know, been a huge part of a program and and it didn't happen to me very much, but I know it happened to other people that had been a huge part of your program being successful that you found when they were you know, a diamond in the rough that, you know, none of these other schools were interested in, you know, they work their butts off, you work their butts off, they get really good. And then all of a sudden somebody else wants them. It's like, you know, to, to Rodney's point, well, you know, if these people were all such amazing coaches, maybe they should be the ones finding the diamond in the rough and developing them. But, you know, we've gotten to a point now where they're not doing any developing at all. It's just recruiting players that can fit right in, that are ready to play, you know, that are you know going to make an impact. And if we don't have that kid on our roster now, we're going to find somebody on somebody else's roster and get him to transfer. And I know here we go again, the old man screaming at the clouds. <laughs> but, you know, to me, it's just a, a really frustrating thing because, you know, obviously I spent my whole career at schools now that would be basically acting as uh, minor league teams to the, you know, to the ma- major league programs. No, again, I feel terribly for them. And, you know, you talked about how easy it's going to be, and it's going to be unlimited transfers. You know, potentially, or if they if they pass that legislation, but you know, it used to be more difficult. It, it used to be where you might have to sit out a season. It used to be not so easy just to jump ship and and run. You know, to the next next opportunity. So, you know, back then there were a little bit of safeguards that again were making it better for the institution as well. To not right. let it be so free like that. Right. Well, definitely was better for the institutions that had to invest the time, effort, and energy in developing a player that wasn't a proven commodity. You know, the thing that I've, I told people, you know, hundreds of times when we would talk about recruiting, that any coach in America can go to a big tournament and identify the five best players. You don't have to be that smart to do it. You know, the... They, you know, they they run faster, they hit it harder, they pitch it faster, they get to balls that other kids don't get to. You know, they they stand out and they stand out very obviously. There's no mystery to it. And I also was smart enough to know that it didn't make any sense at all for me to spend time when I was watching tournaments to watch those kids because those kids were going to be going to UCLA and Arizona and Oklahoma and those kinds of schools, and that's where they belonged because they were that good. But the fun to me was finding the, you know, the perfect example is, you know, Stephanie Fisher, who played for me at uh, Tennessee Tech. She's the only Division One All-American I ever coached, and she was completely unrecruited coming into to our program, you know, and ended up becoming a starter as a freshman, becoming a, a, an all-conference player, becoming an all-region player, and then ultimately becoming an All-American. Well, if that was happening now, instead of the early 2000s, by her second year, she'd been uh, pushed and pulled and influenced to probably try to go someplace else. And to me, you know, the, the things that I always thought of were the greatest accomplishments and the most exciting things about coaching. Now it's like, well, you've got two years to help them develop. And then you have to be satisfied and seeing that all your hard work made it good enough, made them good enough that they can now go to a bigger school. And to me, 
I just don't see as much fun in that. Gosh, that's just such a bummer for sure. Yeah. Yep. The rich keep getting richer. Not, you know, Oklahoma is not the only school that's getting a lot of transfers. Oklahoma State's getting a bunch of good ones. Arizona State, Florida. You know, there's a bunch of schools that have gotten really good transfer players. So it's not just an Oklahoma thing. Right. You know, but when you've got you know a, a, a two-time defending national champion who's lost, I think, five games total in the last two seasons. Pulling from other teams now. Yeah. Right. When, when, you know, people are looking at that thinking, well, finally, somebody else is going to have a chance to compete with them because, you know, they graduated a whole bunch of great players. Of course, you know, they had a whole bunch of great players coming back. Well, now they got a whole bunch of new great players that are going to plug right into the lineup. It's great if you're an Oklahoma fan. And, and, and you know, I'll throw this out there. Just you know, I've, I've said this before. I've always admired dynasties when UConn women's basketball won whatever it was, a hundred and whatever games in a row and looked like they might go, you know, five years without losing. I always thought that was exciting to watch because to me, I you know can appreciate how amazing that, that challenge. How hard it is to do that. Yeah. When uh, Penn State's women's volleyball team was winning national championships at a record breaking pace, that to me was exciting. So I like the dynasties. I'm not going to say that it's, it doesn't trouble me the way it troubles some other fans, but to me, the the challenge is, you know, what are we going to do, and and is it going to ultimately become just a disappointment to other people, or or take some of the fun out of it for other people because it is pretty much a you know a one horse race it seems. So now and that's going to take us to this week's cleanup topic. Our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com, and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. So make sure you take advantage of that EFP10 discount. It's a great way for you to save another uh, 10% on your Pinnacle products and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. So Don, we're at the end of the summer season. We've got national championships. We've got World Series. We've got regional World Series. We've got regional national championship. We've got the alphabet soup of different sanctions and organizations. We've got Probably, I would say, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 or 50, quote-unquote, national championship events going on here at the end of the summer. And I got to admit it, I'm a little confused. Well, I'll tell you what, didn't it, it, it didn't seem that long ago that there was just a couple of associations and a couple of national champions, and that was it. Yeah. Well, again, old, old, old man warning, you know, when you and I were coaching, once upon a time, everybody's goal at the highest level was to make it to the gold nationals and teams would chase all over the country until the last possible second to be one of the 64 teams that qualified for gold. And there were a lot of years that some really good teams were 65th or 66th or 67th and didn't make it into the field. But you also had programs that were, and teams that were winning a qualifying event in Florida or Virginia or California on Sunday, driving straight, yep, and would jump on a plane or whatever to go to Oklahoma City or wherever the Nationals were that weekend, the middle of that week. And so, to me, you know, the fact that it was such a major accomplishment to get there and to qualify and to win made that national championship something that was extremely extra special. 
Well, of course, because you know there were teams that were finishing 65th and 66th that didn't get to go, that drove the market. And so now we've got PGF, we've got the Alliance, we've got a or USA Softball, we've got USSA, we've got Triple Crown, we've got USFA, we've got uh, I can't even keep track of all of them. There's so many national championships going on, and and to me. It's a great thing for a team to be able to say they won the last game of the year. It's a great thing to be able to uh, say that your kids won a championship or won a national championship. But where's the line in the sand where too many is too many and have we crossed it? I I believe we've crossed it way, way over the line. Uh, But what do you think? No, I think that uh, just like you said, I kind of wish that feeling on all the kids of being able to win the last game, being able to say, you know, hey, my daughter, you know, their team, they won the national championship. And it sounds crazy and amazing. But uh, just like you said, when there's only two or three of those associations across the country, there's only two or three teams that are getting to say that, that makes it a lot more unique or special than having so, so many. You know, the number of kids that are playing and getting really good at our game is uh is really growing too and and a lot of these other uh national championships you know from what i'm hearing from the groups is that the the level of ball is getting better and better and is getting tougher to uh you know to just go to those events and and walk through them even though kind of was what was happening in the beginning you know we would go to one of these smaller world series because it the competition wasn't quite as tough and it fit our, our team's needs. But now that's even getting tough for them. It sounds right. Well, the thing that's just challenging for me is, and and I'm all for kids being happy that they feel like they had a big finish and a big success at the end of their summer. There's nothing wrong with them feeling that, but also for people who are a little bit more aware, a little bit more in the know of what's going on, the number of teams that are all claiming national championships to me waters down the value of all of them. Sure. All of them less meaningful because now you have to almost explain what you won. And then you have to go into detail about, you know, how many teams were there. And then you have to argue the point that, uh, you know, it was super competitive and, and you know, everybody, you know, every game was exciting and we had to come from behind to, to win and all those different things. But kind of comes back to the to the point I, I wanted to make earlier. Just because you have to come back to win doesn't mean that your national championship stacks up with other teams' national championships. Because the level of competition is strong doesn't mean it's as strong. And so to me, I, I guess it's just this, how big of a softball snob are you going to be? How much of a separatist are you going to be thinking about, well, is that a real national championship or not? And obviously, they're all real. But they're not all created equal, I guess, is the way I would I would want to put it. And the one thing that I think is a little bit troubling is I'm seeing some teams that are claiming to be one thing and promoting themselves to be one thing that are then cashing out early to go play in a in a less challenging, less demanding, less well uh, respected national championship just to say that they've won it. And so, you know, if you're gonna you know, on on one side talk about you know, playing the best in the country and, and playing, you know, a, you know a, a legitimate national schedule and playing the other best teams around. Uh, but then you chose to not play them at the end of the year. It's such a mi- mixed message to me. And I guess I just really don't understand for sure, you know, wh- where the line is. Um, but I think we've crossed it. I think there's too many of these tournaments 
because I think that anytime you have to explain to the people you're talking to what it is you want and why it means something, its value has has already been diminished. No, I think you're exactly right on all that, Tori. And, uh, you know, that makes me want to bring everybody together at the end because I really want to know who who the best is. Right. There's no way to tell. I want to know that my group was the one. And we can't get everybody together for that. So, yeah, that to me, if you could put something like that together and let's say in an age group and, you know, maybe it would have to just be 18 and under to start with or, or you know, whatever the, the group you pick yeah. to get 30 of these quote unquote national champions all together in one place, play a tournament. Then we can rank the tournaments after that. Right. But unfortunately, as, as you said, Don, that's that's not going to happen in our lifetimes because I think well, nobody really wants to know the truth. <laughs> that's probably a better way to put it. Nobody really wants except for the one that wins. The team that, that wins it, they'll, they'll be excited and everybody else will be, well, you know, we had a bad weekend. You know, we, we still won the best tournament, but we had a bad weekend when we got together for that. Right. Super championship or whatever you want to call it. So but anyhow. That was something that uh, you know, a, a discussion that one of our listeners wanted us to talk about. And I think, you know, looking at the, into the future, coaches, as you're putting your schedules together, being able to say you're a national champion or knowing for sure that you challenged your kids to play at the highest level that they can compete at. I'd take the playing at the highest level you can compete at every single time, because then I think, you know, for sure that the, the kids have been tested and shown what they're really capable of doing. So and that's going to take us to our coaching tip of the week. Our coaching tip of the week is kind of an unusual twist on a discussion that we've had a little bit already. So we know, you know, several times during the course of the college season, we talked about the challenge that they're facing now with illegal pitching and how they might be uh, adjusting the rules and adjusting the limitations on pitchers to cut down on some of the uh, problems that we have with enforcement. And, you know, is one pitcher really illegal or is she more illegal than the other? Or is, aren't they all illegal most of the time? And the reason I wanted us to talk about this today is because I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I've watched enough games this summer, all different age groups to say that nothing that's happening in travel ball right now is going to solve the problem. I saw, I would be willing to bet 75 or 80% of all the pitchers I watched across all the age groups across a whole bunch of teams and a whole bunch of tournaments, 75 or 80% of them are all illegal. Right. And they're staying illegal. And here's the, the tip I wanted to throw out there for our coaches, because I'm not unrealistic. I know if you've got a great pitcher on your team and she's illegal and you try to correct her, <laughs> you try to fix it, you try to show her what she's doing illegally so that she can now become a legal pitcher, and she's going to be on your team for about another 30 seconds, and she's going to say thank Yeah, she has to take a step back to really grasp it. I'm going to go someplace else where they think I'm great just the way I am, and I'm going to keep pitching the way I've been pitching because I've been pitching great, and that's why you wanted me on your team. Here's what I want our travel coaches, our high school coaches, our middle school coaches to start to do. To start to have a conversation with your pitchers and let them know that it, you're not the one that's going to change anything. You're not the one that's trying to recommend, you know, that's going to say, you know, that they've got to do this or they've got to do that. But you're also going to be the voice of reason to start talking to them and their parents and just let them know, hey, you keep doing what you're doing uh, as long as you want to. But I know it's illegal. And at some point in time, you could get called for it. So it might be this week. It might be this month. It might be on this team. It might be this national championship, or it might be three years from now when you're pitching in college. But 
let's just be honest with each other. What you're doing is an illegal pitch. And I'm trying to just let you know that I can see it. If I can see it as your coach, I think you as a player and a, and a parent need to be aware of it at, you know, from your perspective. If you choose to do anything with this knowledge or not, I, I'm kind of, I guess, uh, washing my hands of it by having this discussion. Now, I want you to know that I'm afraid that this is going to be a problem for you at some point in your career. I'd be happy to try to help you if you want to try to change something or find somebody that can help you if you want to try to change something. But I'm just going to be honest with you and let you know at some point in time, this could bite you in the butt and then just leave it at that. So that's my coaching tip of the week. Be the voice of reason. Help your pitcher who's illegal, which is most of them, understand that what she's doing is is against the rules, whether the rules are getting called this week or not, and just make them aware of it. Don, what do you think? I was going to say, and as you're saying that, Tori, I'm I'm thinking, well, if Tori was saying that to me, what what would I say or how would I react? And and I just started squinting my eyes a little bit, and I was like, okay, I'm going to show you that I can do it. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make it right, and I'm going to be just as good. And I'm going to show you that I can I can do that. I appreciate you, uh, you know, being tough or critical on my my skill set. I'm going to win this battle. That's how I think, but. I know you're you're exactly right that that many of them and you don't want to risk it, but you kind of need to. In doing them the the most justice, you have to share with them what you see, right? You know, and that's what coaching's about. So, and and to me, that's the 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 line I'm willing to straddle. Get to the point of being honest, being truthful, sharing your honest opinion. Here's what here's what I see. I know you haven't been called, but it, you could. Here's what you know could potentially start to happen. And I just want you to be aware of what I'm seeing so that you know we can all be on the same page together. Hopefully somebody takes the uh, information and decides to, as you said, Don, make some adjustments so that maybe they don't have to get called for an illegal pitch on national TV when their season's hanging in the balance, or they don't have to get called for an illegal pitch when the you know the game's on the line in their state championship game or their you know national championship game or whatever it is. Let's talk about it now so that we can you know just at least be aware of it. But I think if more coaches had that discussion, there's at least some players that, that might take the Don McKinley approach and say, okay, I'm going to prove to everybody that I can fix this. I can, I can make sure that I'm going to be legal for the rest of my career. Well, yeah, we, that, that's ideal if they do. But uh, again, I think that in today's climate, that might not happen as often as we would like. But uh, you know, again, as a coach, when you do approach these players and, and talk to them, it's like, hey, I know this is something you can do. Right. If we give it to them and feed it to them that way. I, I want for you to take this challenge. Let's see if we can do this together. Let's maybe they'll feel like it's not as much uh, just on them that it's on us. Right. Maybe they'll try and make that uh, adjustment and stick with us and, and do it the way we want them to. Yeah. There's my uh, wishful thinking thought for the day for our coaching tip of the week. So, uh, coaches, let me know what you think. The cynical part of me thinks that as soon as you tell a pitcher on your team, sweetheart, you know, I love you. You're doing great. You're helping us win games, but you and I both know that you're illegal. They're probably heading for the hills. <laughs> so there's definitely a risk. But I also think if we don't start doing something, you know, the only change that we're going to see, the only way that we're going to solve this problem is they're going to have to change the rules and say there's nothing illegal because watching eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old pitchers you know, with, uh, you know, a foot of space under their foot as they're driving forward, you know, that have both feet so clearly in the air at the same time that are a foot in front of the dirt and in front of the mound and replanting and pushing a second time that 
you know, if it was one or two kids or you know, the occasional kid doing it, well, then, then, you know, buyer beware. But when it's obviously an epidemic and I know why it's an epidemic because it works. Yeah. They're cutting them loose, letting them do it. Yeah. It works. Those kids are winning games because of what they're doing. And we want to make sure that, you know, that we try to stem the tide. So for what it's worth. All right, that's going to wrap up episode number 226. As always, please make sure you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bat Company, Elite Sporting Goods, and Pinnacle Power Butter. And also make sure that you go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch if you're in a position where you can become a patron. We really do need the support. As we've been saying now for the last few weeks, we're at that point of no return. We need to get more people to come on board as patrons. We certainly do appreciate Kevin Hammond. Kevin is our newest patron. Kevin, thank you very much for being a patron. Hopefully that will keep the ball rolling. We've had a handful of new patrons come on board, uh, but we need many, many more, and uh, certainly hope that, that we'll be able to keep the podcast going for a long time. Make sure that you go to the fastpitchprep.com website. You can order your Square Cuts training discs there. You can also have access to the blogs and the YouTube channel. Um, there's uh, tons and tons of information that's available to you there. If you have a uh, suggestion, comment, or idea, reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Go ahead and contact us with any ideas or Player of the Week nominations or anything else that you would like for us to talk about. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.